0: Welcome to the Movement Made Better podcast, powered by Stick Mobility. We are your hosts, Dennis Dunphy and Neil Valera. Hello, thank you everyone for joining us today. We are super excited to have our guest today, Dr. Shante Kofeld. Hello, Shante, how are you?
1: Hi, I'm doing very well. Thank you guys. This is a long time coming and I'm super honored to be on here. So thank you.
0: Uh, For those who don't know, we met in Dubai. Dubai. That's a year and a half ago. Yeah.
1: Wow. So
0: we did the podcast. Well, we we're in Dubai on your podcast. Yeah. And then she was the one that said, you got to get your ass doing a podcast. So here we are. So the lady that told us to get our shit together and start doing a podcast <laughs> is here. So this is our muse. This is our inspiration here, folks. Would you like to go ahead and give your, uh, introduce yourself and give yourself a little background to the listeners, please?
1: Yeah, sure thing, man. I, I just think that's so remarkable, that story. Like we were in Dubai. It's yeah. wild right we don't live that that far apart realistically we were in Dubai and it just, it's so so remarkable <laughs> movement really does unite us all so for those of you who don't know me I'm Shantae Cofield I'm most people call me the maestro now it's like become an actual thing uh, I do a ton in the digital space uh, you know me over there on Instagram as the movement maestro I am a physical therapist by trade uh, I graduated like oh my god I'm old now like 10 years ago and I did the traditional thing for about five years got disenchanted with that pretty quickly went into doing Doing my own cash based thing uh, and discovered Rock Tape and became an instructor for them. And in becoming an instructor for them, was able to leave behind my full time gig and really found my passion within teaching. And that's actually how I met Dennis. I was teaching uh, for Rock Tape uh, a course over there um, at their MeFit Summit or the MeFit Summit that's there. Uh, and so basically, I stepped back from the clinical space and really just went head first into the digital space, into teaching, launching my own brand and traveling the world, being able to just teach and educate and connect with people. Uh, And within the last few years, I have shifted things and done a lot more in terms of coaching and coaching the business side for other movement professionals uh, and kind of stepping back away from, you know, the pure movement side of things. And that's basically where I find myself now.
0: And. One of the things I wanted to start off with was over the last year plus I've seen yeah. your journey as far as from the movement aspect in regards to improving your knee health yes. uh, and that's been fantastic and what I love about that is it's it's really it's it's showing the people that are watching it with you you're in this with them and that's I think something that's lost on a lot of people when yes. educators when educators just talk to you about stuff mm-hmm. there's there's not that connection but when you absolutely see someone actually going through it with you then you're like oh, i i get it they they, yeah. they understand they
1: empathize with you right totally i think that was really important to me um more so than even connecting with people just to show people how long things take from the physical therapy perspective inside of things you get people in and because they came in from the doctor let's say the md and their script says six to eight weeks. People think that they're, they're actually going to get better in six to eight weeks. I'm like, you've had back pain for 27 years. How <laughs> are you going to get better in six to eight weeks? <laughs> <laughs> then even make no sense. So it was really, you know, showing people like, I'm going to take on this journey and I'm going to be doing it anyway. So I might as well document it. Um, and, also, I was kind of hoping people would see, and they did, how quickly the time passes. So mm-hmm. it's actually been over a year that I've been doing like knees over toes stuff. And people, I, I tell them that and they're like, oh my goodness, it, it's like went by really fast. And it's like, yeah, it actually does go by really fast. So when we when people are faced with that number of like, that time frame of like, how long is it going to take to get better? I tell people, give yourself 18 months. It seems so like <gasps> to them. But actually goes by fast think about how long we've been in quarantine like the time actually goes by pretty quickly i
2: know it's been so, four months
1: I'm, right Isn't that yeah. wild i'm like yeah hmm? for, oh so that was it was really big you know for me um and i i liked also kind of breaking down that barrier of and i'm going to speak just to, to visual therapists here sometimes pts have a difficult time learning from other people who are outside of the profession, and the person who's helped me the most with my knees? He's a personal trainer, Ben Patrick, uh, knees over toes guy. That's who's helped me the most. I mean, outside, I guess my my surgeon. I've had knees knee surgeries, so those it did, it did help. I needed to, to have them, mm-hmm. um, you know, my ACL reconstruction and such. But Ben has helped me the most, and I think it's really important that we realize how beneficial collaboration is and
0: he's overcome a lot of his own personal mm-hmm. things too did that really help impact you as far as you buy definitely what he was definitely
1: definitely helps the buy-in you know i discovered him through keegan smith who is just you know uh, he's a trainer and just a very uh experimental human I would I should say he loves doing things on himself and like putting himself through these things and seeing just how much he can do Uh, and he brought on Ben Patrick and on his podcast and I was listening to him and I was just like hmm and you know I checked out some of his stuff on social media and the program he offers is like $50 and I always say it like just try it like literally if the program is $50 what is the worst that happens you don't like it okay use my $50 like that's it so and I think they might have been having a promo so it might have been cheaper than that so I was listening to him, listening to his own stories. I mean, you still, I think everyone goes in with that healthy bit of skepticism and is just like, yeah. And everyone thinks that they're like, you know, uh, a special unicorn. and They're like, but it's different for me. And I'm like, I'm Jordan, sure is. <laughs> I'm sure. Uh, but I was like, all right, I'll give it a shot. Um, something that also helped with buy-in is he's so passionate about it he mm-hmm. lives, eats, this is what he wants to do is help people not have knee pain. And I was like, what do I have to lose? My knee's already hurt. Like if it hurts them more, I, I will stop doing it. I have the mm-hmm. the autonomy to do that. Uh, and it was a phenomenal, phenomenal choice.
0: So I've enjoyed it. So thank you for sharing that. The, the other thing too, is a lot of people aren't willing to put themselves out there. They're not That's willing true. to show that vulnerability. Yeah. But I, I think it really helps uh, bring people into your community when you actually show that side when you're able to it's like when zach efron was showing his acl rehab Mm -hmm. yeah that was big i mean it humanizes you right and not a lot of celebrities would Mm -hmm. i would i think would be willing to do that
1: absolutely i think now more than ever people want that connection they want to know that there's a human on the other side of things especially when we've been forced to you know be separate and be separated Right. and that's fine but people now in terms of the business side of things and just they people want to connect they always want they've always wanted to connect mm-hmm. I think now more than ever and it's one of the things that I champion those who do it on social media and accounts like yours that are just real like having everything be perfect that we already know that's a lie because nothing is perfect so it's definitely nice when people put themselves out there and are just like I am a human and you're like that's great me too
2: so what was uh, one big thing in that program that just that was so different than what you were doing that really kind of got you over the the hump here for the knees?
1: Yeah, for sure. And the funniest thing about the program is the simplicity. And we, we the three of us sitting here, we know this. They're like master inside of the box before you worry about outside of the box. We know it. And then it's like, comes to yourself and you're like, I should probably look at all this other stuff out here. And you're like, oh, go back to the <laughs> basics. I know this. So it was the simplicity of it. It was. It started out with just working on mobility and then integrating like more strength pieces, but very simplistic in terms of like, don't push through pain. Yes. And I, he doesn't call it this, but Bud Jeffries calls it And I love it, which is progressive distance training and it's not about how like not about running distance it's about Mm. moving through progressively more distance so loading a a pattern but loading it through only part of the range so that you get strong there and then increasing that Uh, and that's one of the things that ben does with the exercise he started out with that i was doing was that like Yeah, bending your knee may hurt. Okay, so we're not going to bend it that much, but we're still going to load it and we're going to work on these other pain-free things uh, and work on just getting the the mobility to be able to be into into those positions. It introduced high volume in terms of high volume, but without killing yourself. So it was like looking at, we want you to do sets of 15 and 20, not three sets of 10. So it would be like, we're looking at doing six sets of 20, but you're going to be doing this at such a low weight and, and for most people, no weight at all to start off with and really normalizing progression, really normalizing progressive overload, really normalizing regressing yourself and starting where, you know, back, back, back. Um, I think one thing that was added that I definitely would not have trained on my own is just that like anterior compartment musculature. So like anterior tib and such. Mm-hmm. I definitely wasn't training that thing. Um, I definitely wasn't doing enough calf raises, and I just usually just complain that my legs are skinny. I'm like, I'll wear pants; it's fine. (laughs) 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 Uh, And so, bringing that in actually helped a lot. Uh, And then it was just progressively taking the time and gradually going through more range, which is so fundamental. And we know we say it all the time, but then we don't do it. You know, he really brings a lot of like Charles Poliquin's work and his series on such. Uh, And so it was basically uh, his program as a whole. I would say it was like a reintroduction to the shit you know you're supposed to be doing, but you're not doing and you're paying for it now. So you're going to do it.
0: Very true. I like it. As a result of that, life is easier for you.
1: Yeah. You know, if you ever get anybody that's listening, you're an athlete or anything like that, you've been a mover. Like it sucks. Like wake up and be hurting. It sucks to like look at stairs and be like, yeah, I can do it. I'm 35 years old. I'll be able to do it. But like, I would rather they not hurt when I do that. I'd rather not know that if I do this thing today, like I'm going to really pay for it tomorrow. Like there's still certain things that I can't do. Um, I don't want it to make it seem like, you know, like a panacea and everything's better. Like, Pistol squats on my right leg probably aren't the best thing to do. you know. And that kind of slides into that area of, you know, the pendulum goes so far and people are like, you are not your MRI, but like your MRI does matter. Like what's on there, it, there is information there. So for me, like I have a grade four chondral defect on the tibia and tibial plateau and the femoral condyle of my right knee. That's not going away. Like there's mm. a huge hole there. So like pistol squats, they really piss it off. I, uh, Even though I did all this other stuff, it doesn't, you know, reverse time there and, and like change that anatomy. So there's certain things that I still can't do, but it's really nice to not have to think about everything. And it's really nice to not think about certain things in terms of certain movements of like that I didn't really notice before, like jumping up to a pull-up bar. That was a problem. Mm-hmm. And I didn't really realize oh. it until it stopped being a problem. And I was like, wait a minute. This doesn't hurt me to jump up. I don't. I'm not thinking about it. It doesn't hurt me to land. Like it my shoulders, and my arm is fine. I can do pull ups, but it was like, oh, I got to get up to that thing. I got to get down oh, about that. Uh, so it's definitely freeing when you're not, you know, worrying about protecting yourself at all times.
0: It's the old adage of we we take for granted what we have until we don't have nope. access to it anymore, mm-hmm. and that's and it's something that I, we wish w- would just be in our mindset at a young age right but when we're at 19 we just don't think about no. that because we just don't care
1: you don't care it's not we affecting not
0: like, it's not effect- out of sight if it's not affecting me i don't think about it and that's one of those not. things where you just like oh you wish you could just put that in <laughs> your head or if there's some like type of program you could just instill in people that they would have that i some- need an
1: app for that right something <laughs>
2: <laughs>
0: for sure any of that for that big time so as far as transitioning from the, your classical physical therapy education in progressing into that movement world do you see a kind of a paradigm shift where you're starting to see more of the clinical world kind of transitioning and joining a bridging that gap so to speak
1: I would love to say yes, but I hesitate because I don't know if it's just that I'm surrounding myself with those people. The people that I'm surrounding myself with and the people that they do exist and it is happening and we're seeing new grads coming out and realizing that you don't learn everything in PT school and there's a lot more that you can learn, a lot more more ways to help your people. Um, So yes and no. Um, The Cool thing about it is that even if there aren't people that are buying into it, they're going to have to buy into it at some point. I think one of the best things that's ever happened to physical therapy is that personal trainers leveled up. Personal trainers went and furthered their education, furthered their skill set. And PTs were like, well, I'm losing patients. You know, the ones that kind of refused to change were just like... P, personal trainers shouldn't be able to go to these courses. We've had these issues as, as you know, as a rocket instructor. Like we've had oh. such pushback from clinicians being like, you have people in these courses that you know shouldn't be here, and it's just like they're gonna figure learn this stuff. Any, somewhere might as well be from a reputable source. We're not giving people the license to do this, but it is very valuable to at least understand how these things are working. Maybe they don't have a license to touch, but still it's very valid and valuable for them to understand how these things are working. So our doors are open. But you see a lot of the you know dinosaurs or people that are scared of change or don't want to change being like they shouldn't be allowed in here. Whereas the other ones were like, well, I better step my game up. And that's been absolutely remarkable for the is all their profession so you know more people are bridging the gap and seeing that there's polls and the ones that don't quite frankly they're just going to get left behind and you know people vote with their wallets and they'll stop going there so
0: yeah because i think one of the biggest complaints that i've personally heard from clients who have had to go who've gone through physical therapy is just the lack of really interest or connection with the patient himself. Mm-hmm. It's yep. I've heard numerous times where they they're like, I sign yep. in, I I'm left to myself to do my own drills. And they're like, I didn't then and then then walk out. Right. The
2: little piece of paper, with yeah. all the exercise. It's a yeah. little
1: handout with the exercise and so much of me. And I'll just say it quite frankly, hopes that the the model collapses. I hope that Corona breaks the physical therapy model and it crumbles because it needs to be rebuilt. Part of why that kind of treatment occurs is because the overhead that these offices have is high and the reimbursement that they're getting from insurance is low. Mm. So the only way that they can keep their lights on and pay their employees and possibly turn a profit is if they have volume and they get enough people through. So the only way they can get people through is if they're not actually caring, right? Because caring takes time. It takes energy. Mm. It takes attention. Mm. It's a resource. So what they do is they have you know 50,000 people coming in and they just make it like a mill, and the, most of the therapists that are in those places don't like it. Like, very few therapists are like, yeah, I love this shitty mill where I see a million people every day. Most people kind of get into it. They don't even realize it's going to be like that, but it's the job that they got, and now they're just trying to figure out a way to, to make it better. RONA has been great because it slowed things down. It closed things down. Uh, people can't now can't see as many people just because of, of distancing rules and such. And people are starting to realize that there is a better way. We do run into an area, a gray area, tough area with those people who like just simply financially can't afford mm-hmm. uh, to, to pay out of pocket. But I think that one of the things that I always encourage you know, people that I work with to do is this is when it becomes part of that kind of Robin Hood-esque approach where you need to charge enough. So that you can then go and do pro bono things or you can then go and donate your time or donate your money and, and help out with these other situations. Because we can't help everyone at the same time. It is not possible. Uh, but what we're seeing is that we're failing literally just about everybody. Uh, so there needs to be a change.
0: Yeah, it's funny. I heard, I forget who the person was that was speaking the one time and they were physical therapists and I said yeah I took a vow of poverty when I entered the physical therapy world and at the time I was kind of like really because I didn't know the economics of yeah. physical therapy and then when I started looking into it I was I'm like oh. oh I was like this is like I see, wow. I didn't get the joke until <laughs> until I actually started looking at it I was like oh shit this is like a real thing like it he, is he, he was the serious about
1: the system is so broken. People often ask, like, what would you do if you could change things within, P- within the physical therapy profession? Like, would you change the, the APTA, like our, our governing? I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't even know what they're called, lobbying body. Would you change the boards? What would you do? And I was like, I'd make the cost of school less. That is the number one issue is that you come out with so much debt that you feel you have to get a job. And so then these therapists go into these shitty clinics because they just need money. They need to they need to use this skill set that they just spent three years, you know, undergrad plus three years learning all this time. Six figures in debt. And they're just like, yeah, I don't really want to be in that setting. But also I don't want to be homeless and -hmm. I don't want to have my credit score go to zero. So I'm going to take this job so I can pay things off. Whereas if there was a model where school didn't cost you a gazillion dollars, which is the number one thing that I recommend when people are like students uh, or like people thinking about going to PT school, they're like, what would you recommend? I say, go to the cheapest school possible. Just go and get your degree. You're going to learn the truly helpful stuff after school. Anyway, you will learn how to be safe, go to the cheapest school that you can so that you're not racking up a mountain of debt because you're going to be under it forever. And it makes you make bad decisions and kind of perpetuate this very shitty model where the patient loses out. Most of the therapists get burned out and the Titanic continues forward.
0: It's an interesting point that you said about going to the cheapest school possible. Cause the curriculum the
1: no, is the same. It has to be, cause yeah. they have to, they're not going to get funding if people don't pass the board. So like go to the school that's the cheapest. I didn't know that growing into it so like this is like learn from my mistakes rest of you but the curriculum has to be the same i think also you know how in the past it was kind of like where'd you go to school and that like kind of gave you some clout and that like maybe gave you some connections we're in the digital age man it doesn't matter you you want a connection go dm somebody you've connected to them you don't have to be like also i spent a million dollars on school so now you should respect me more Nobody cares. You know, I, the, the times have changed in a, in a positive way. So go to the cheapest school, learn, the, learn how to be safe, which is what you'll learn there. Um, I see a lot of students that get really upset and they're just like, man, I'm not like learning the cool stuff that I see on social media. And it's like, of course you can't because school has to teach to the boards. They get funded by people actually passing the boards. If you don't pass the boards, the school's going to close down. And the new stuff that you're seeing on there, anything that's cool, fascial chains, anatomy chains, like anatomy trains, anything like that, that's not on the board. So it is unfortunate, but it's the reality. So if you really want to be a PT, um, do go about it the smartest and most of, you know, efficient way possible.
2: Nice. What's the percentage of, uh, I guess, practices that are just mostly insurance-based or, sorry, inside of practice, mm-hmm. what is the percentage of uh, – insurance based patients
1: typically. i mean it's it'll typically depend on the practice like there are some hybrid models out there where some where some people just accept one or two kinds of types of insurance because uh, it pays well uh, and the rest of them are going to be cash based there's some types of some places that have hybrid models where Um, They're insurance based But then they have Like a continuity Like a membership afterwards Because like When you're out of pain And you're acute Then it's like all right, you're done now But maybe you want Like some personal training Maybe you want I don't know You're looking like To run a marathon I don't know they can offer cash programs for that. Um, I would say that the majority of practices are still cash based, to be honest. And so, this is my big push in terms of helping people. I don't do much, with, I don't do anything with the brick and mortar stuff. That's really Danny Matei's forte. Um, but I just like to connect people with people like him. So, when they're thinking about making that switch, because it is very scary to a lot of people, uh, because insurance does somewhat guarantee you a steady stream of patients. Uh, Because usually the first question you're going to get is, do you accept insurance? Um, But there's just so many downsides to it. So, so many downsides. And if you do the math with most things, like it actually ends up being cheaper for people to pay out of pocket because they're avoiding surgery, they're avoiding drugs, and they're getting better. Um, But that's also part of sales and being a good salesman be able to explain that. But certainly back to your original question, I would say the majority of practices are cash-based. We're starting to see more hybrid models. The longer a practice has been around, the harder it will be for them to go cash-based. They're, the owner's usually kind of scared and they have the demographic already coming in. Um, but what we're seeing out of a lot of the, the new grads and the younger generation is they're like... All right, cash base is a thing. I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna try it.
2: Yeah, because I could essentially see it being run just like a personal training studio. That's it. You know,
1: that's exactly how it should be run now. That's why I get I get almost frustrated with PTs. I'm like, this is not a new model. Yeah, it's not like we're (laughs) inventing this. Like, I'm gonna do this thing and I'm gonna ask for money for it. And I don't know. Like, this is not new. And that's one of the, the examples. I all, all the time. I'm like, personal trainers are making more than you, doing this same these same things. Adopt their model. Work together if you need. Like if you don't want to like, run your own business, like this is not a new thing. I look in the digital space. Personal trainers have been doing this shit forever. Online business is not new. Like they've been doing it. PTs are like, oh, what is this Zoom thing? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> what's what's happening so you're spot on it should be run the exact same way uh and the you know the the pricing and the packaging would be a little bit different just in terms of if it's like an acute someone coming in with an acute thing or if there's like a surgical thing but at the end of the day overall it's the same it's exactly the same
2: you could essentially transition from physical therapy to training full-time
1: Yep, and we see people trying to do that, and people realizing that it's a bit smarter to do that. I often tell people that haven't done that are thinking about going into PT, and they're like, "You know, I'm concerned about the time, and I'm concerned about the, the investment." Realistically, getting a personal training certification and getting a massage therapy license is probably a better route. And I'm not shitting on my profession by any means, but. People really need to ask, what are they looking to do? And what do they want their day to look like? People tend to think that they need that PT degree. And realistically, if you're trying to do, I guess, maybe more rehab stuff, post-op stuff, maybe. But if you have a license to touch and you have a license to do movement, you're good. What Mm -hmm. the deciding factor is for many people is the confidence to market their skill set. Mm. Many people feel like, well, if I get the DPT behind me, then people will respect me more. Other PTS, maybe, but you guys have you both of you—I'm know, sure—you've had pain at some point in time. When you're in pain, I don't really care where you went to school. I don't really care what's at the end of your name. And maybe forgiving me if you're like doing surgery on me, okay? But if you're in bad enough pain, honestly, I—I I blew out blew out my back when I was in PT school, and I would have gone anywhere. I didn't care, and I was actually quite disenchanted because nobody could help me. And I was like, I'm in PG school and no one can help me." <laughs> back. Did, did I make a mistake? <laughs> like, a student from another school actually helped me. And one of the students in my program, she's a transitional student. So she was a massage therapist first. Those two people helped me the most on my journey. And I was like, mm, this is some food for thought. I'm already in the program now. <laughs> but you know, get the two, put them together and then get spend the money. And the time that you would have spent on PT school, learning business and learning marketing and learning sales and having the confidence to be able to speak to someone and sell your product and tell them that you have a solution for them and be fine.
0: Yeah, because you said earlier, that's where you transitioned in your own life as far as where you see your business going is helping people uh, on that side. And so it's kind of, instead of a physical mobility, it's a business mobility. It's the ability to to navigate the world of business and be able to survive and thrive. And that's that's a big thing Mm -hmm. because we have so many business owners that are just barely making it. It's kind of amazing to see how many people are, their businesses are basically running paycheck to paycheck like like a family
1: is, right? Yes. So 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 many and it's so it should be really eye-opening for this country and being like hey we're a lot more similar than the media would have us believe like so many businesses running paycheck to paycheck like that is not it's not like they're swimming i imagine like the scrooge mcduck like swimming in (laughs) coins like it's not like that (laughs) so many businesses i was just like oh wow that so that became a big thing for me too was looking at this and then being like how can I help my people um and so some of the stuff I've done for like my mafia my inner circle uh, I was like I brought in my accountant uh and she has like a, a whole course that she runs on this and just how to like start saving and allocating and looking at your expenses and tracking so that like if you're if people are surviving Rona they need to be learning and be realized like I need to be prepared so that if something like this happens something worse happens I will be okay so
0: you brought in your CPA, which is freaking awesome. Have you found that a lot of people are buying into that? They're understanding the importance of that.
1: They are. I, I can't say if they're like I don't look at their bank statements, so I don't know if they're actually yeah, yeah, doing yeah. it. Um, but I think kind of speaking, circling back to like what Neil had said, you know, asking about if things are changing. I think that the people that I surround myself with are inherently those people that are looking to move forward and looking to do better and always looking for a better way. So when they have a way to do better, put in front of them, they take it. So um, I'm, I'm pretty confident that most of them are like, okay, yeah, I see what I need to be doing. I mean, I watched so many of them hard pivot and I'm so proud of them when Rona hit and it was like, okay, we're moving to digital. Here's how we're going to do this stuff. Some of them had never done it before. Um, Here's what we're going to do. Here's where we're going to take care of our people, or maybe we're not going to move to digital, but we're still going to contact our people just so much um, action, action, being taken by them. So I, I think that they are buying in. And I think that uh, that same demographic also realizes that no one's coming to save us. If you want your things to survive, then you need to make them survive just in general. Like I love working with athletes for this reason. I know like, I love hanging out with athletes. I'm you know former athlete. Is, is that you understand like who wins the game? You, your fans don't win the game. The coach doesn't win the game. The ref didn't lose a game for you, like, you win it. It's yours. No one's coming to save you. So I think, yes, they're doing the things, um, but these are people that inherently do the things. Because
0: you and I talked about how everybody wants to show you, how I can get you business. I can get you business. And then we discussed, yeah, but no one's there to tell you how to manage it Mm -hmm. once you get it. it. And that is the most important part is understanding what to do with it once you've acquired it. And if you- and that's what makes or breaks you big time.
1: hundred percent. I love. I love thinking about that discussion that we've had, and just it's always nice when you can talk to other people that like speak the same language, uh, even if they're doing different things. And there's just so many facets of business that. And that's why you know earlier I said like if you're gonna save the money on PT school and don't go to business school, invest in coach, invest in someone else who's done the thing that you've done. You know, pay Dennis to. He's going to start a business program. We've been talking about this for Yes, we, years.
0: yes, yes. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> yes. Well, you know, okay, so here's, so I, we talked about it. And then uh, I spoke with John Herringer, who runs a very successful business, uh, 2,500 square foot facility, seven figures, kills it. And him and I talked about it and he said, it's not sexy. And I go, I know. It's not sexy.
1: It's there. It's there the models there. I mean, what's sexy though is this telling people leading with numbers. I wouldn't lead with like this is how you make it sustainable and keep people there. Like you lead with like this is how you acquire, this is how you build a seven-figure business. People mm-hmm. will be like, "What? Well, I'll sign up for that program cuz I have <laughs> one money's right sure. now."
0: Yeah, <laughs> no, that's true. So, so, so it's you just, you know, the,
1: the story, act, the framing and the way that you sell it, uh, the way that you frame it. I think that there's a, such a, and I think, I know that it is because I'm in it and I see it and it's not what I do. I don't do brick and mortar stuff. Um, so I don't coach on that. I coach people on how to use a digital space, how to grow a digital business, um, keep everything digital and everything online. Um, Danny Matei does things more like brick and mortar. And that's different. It's like, how are you getting leads for people that can actually walk through your door? How are you retaining those people? Um, which is what you just talked about. Like, it's okay, you got them in for a first session, maybe they got better. Is that it? Like, what is the overall you know dollar amount, if you will? And I don't say it in a pejorative way, but what's the overall dollar amount for this this patient or this client and how can we extend that because we know that the easiest people to sell to are people that have already bought from you in the past Mm -hmm. they know that they trust you so it's like what other problems do they have that i can help them with Um, and people need need to be taught that they don't We it comes easy to us and we think because we're in it but i see it and i see people struggling And i know you've seen it you see people just like going paycheck to paycheck and charging $20 for a session and driving all over town. And it's like, all right, if you're happy doing that, cool. But if you're looking for another way to do it, I know a guy named Dennis who could help you out. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I mean, It's like you say, you've got to go to people that have been successful, no matter what the industry, no matter what industry you're in. You go it's to it's people no brainer. That, are, that are successful. And it's no-brainer. And you learn from them. It's not even just one person. Go to multiple Mm-hmm. Because you want to get as many viewpoints as possible because each one, each person is going to have a little bit different perspective. And I
1: see so much. sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, go,
0: no, go ahead. You see,
1: I I see so much, you know, tying into like what you had asked about Ben and like how it made it more attractive to me that he had gone through it. Like there are so many people in the digital space right now, just marketing themselves. It's like, I'll get you, I can get you this. I can, you know, I'm a business coach. I can get you six figures. And I'm like, have you built anything? I don't think so. You just—it's like a pyramid scheme, almost, where they're just like I, they sell this idea, but they don't ever—they've never done, actually done it themselves. So to have someone like you, that's like, yeah, you know, he's done it. He's been in the trenches. Like these are the people, you know, whether it's Dennis or other people, you want to be looking at. Like, have you walked the walk? It is super important to me. There may be a few exceptions in other areas of life where, you know, you can learn from someone that hasn't done it themselves, but to me, when it comes to business like this, I want someone that's been in it and has done it and is doing it.
0: So you're, what you're saying is that 20 year old does not <laughs> have the experience to get me to seven figures.
2: <laughs> I see those ads all the time and I'm, like, time. What you, <laughs>
1: I'm like, what are you, 18?
2: Well, they take a picture what? with their, you know, like their Ferrari behind them.
1: Exactly. They go rent these cars, they just go <laughs> find one in the street and they're just like, this it's, picture with this car It's not mine.
0: It takes you back to the uh, Tommy Wu infomercials back in the 1980s. The guy, the Asian guy on the boat, Tom Wu. I don't see Oh, 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 man. (laughs) People are going to be Googling (laughs) that. You (laughs) got to watch the old pre (laughs) (laughs) Google it. You'll like crack yourself up. He was one of the first people that were like, I will show you the secrets. And I'm like, I kind of don't think so. And meanwhile, I think he was prosecuted later for fraud. So I'm like, yeah, that didn't come out too well. I'm like, yeah, that wasn't very good. So your digital platform education, uh, I'll tell people right now, if if you're not following Shantae on her social media and you really want to understand how to use the digital platform to your, to your benefit, then she's definitely someone you want to be following and, and taking her uh, suggestions for sure. Thank um, you. What, is, what are maybe some of the biggest things that you see people not doing that's, kind of, that's undercutting them when they're trying to get their, sure. to their goals?
1: The number one is they're not showing up. Social media is content marketing. And content marketing needs content which means you have to show up you have to be posting you have to be creating like people are like i'm gonna do like once a week and i'm like okay it's better than nothing but it's basically nothing uh you have to be showing up it's not easy i I, one of the questions i get most often is like what's like the least amount that i could post and i'm like that's not the right right question (laughs) i would love if people were like is there a thing that was posting too much? Like let these things kill you. If you think that it's like, this is going to help me. Like it's so interesting because when it comes to like medicine, people are like, well, I'm going to take like three servings. So this has to be better. Right. Cause more it has to be better. And yet when it comes to doing work, they're like, so what's the minimum though? Like <laughs> should I do it like once a month. Maybe and I'm like, what? This is medicine for your business. Take it. Take it every day. So the number one thing I see people not doing is showing not showing up. And the second issue is they're not being themselves. Um, I'm going to speak specifically to my wheelhouse, my people of PTs where they have gotten so caught up in the fact that we have doctorates that they have put up these barriers and made themselves very unrelatable to their demographic. And you understand when people are going to PT they're usually going to PT because something hurts. They're in pain. No one goes there like, I feel great. I just wanted to step in. Like, that's not how it works. They're in pain. They're scared. They're worried that maybe they can't play with their kids or they're never going to be able to resume doing something that they love, their identity. Like runners, right? That's their identity. You take that away from them, they've, they've lost themselves. Okay, yeah. And so the people are legitimately scared about things. How, how comforting is it for them to like come you know, face-to-face with this very like you know, white coat, put a barrier up, Yes, there can be some safety in this like authority roles that can be presented, but simply knowing your shit creates so much authority and they're like, oh, you know what you're talking about. You can help me. Uh, so I see people just not showing up authentically. They're showing up how they think they should be showing up. They're showing up a very, in a very sterile way, forgetting that the, on the other side of that is a human um, and I, I think part of it also comes down to a little bit of that scarcity mindset. And they're like, oh, but if I'm like myself and someone might, li- might not like me and then I'll get less, you know, views, I'll get less people. The Best part about online marketing is that there are so many people out there and you can use your messaging to weed people out and therefore work with people who actually want to be doing the thing that you're doing. They're out there. There's a billion users on Instagram. I think your people are on there somewhere. You know, imagine being able to work with just the people that you know you can help and just the people who you're really jazzed about. The only way you're going to get that is with marketing that, you know, appropriate marketing that draws them in. And the best way to do that is showing up as yourself. So the two biggest things, showing up every day and showing up as yourself. I say
2: one of say one of the things that I see is, um, with, with trainers at least, is that they try to talk to their peers even though they're, yes. their business is their clients, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, they're always tagging, the different trainers, <laughs> and they're trying to impress yep. them with all this lingo yep. and everything. And I'm like, so who do you actually work with? They oh, I, I work with the general population. And you're like, Okay, so why are you trying to impress all your peers? Shouldn't it, you be, are you using big aren't you trying to get business from the general population?
1: Exactly. Um, that is a huge, huge, huge things that come up. And I understand there's like the bit of insecurity. And typically it's because the way the algorithm is like, They will show your stuff to people who are like you and other trainers and such and other PTs. But, Neil, you hit the nail on the head. Those trainers are not paying your bills. So you need to be speaking to your people. Your peers are not your audience, unless they are. So for me, my peers ended up being my audience uh, because I wanted to teach the teachers, but it kind of evolved. (laughs) So it changed uh, and ended up being like other, other PTs and such, but you're so spot on. And so, you know, marketing 101, listen to your people and then steal their language and use it in your marketing you know very few people are like i would like to work on my hip internal rotation and (laughs) i need to work on you know my subscap like if you want to drop that in to educate people okay but make sure that somewhere in that content is the fact that the person said yo when i squat i got a pinch Help them use that language. When I squat, something bad happens. All right. Use that language. And then if you want to educate them, which is cool and great, put that in the captions like that. But you got to be speaking to your people.
0: Uh, People have to figure out their why.
1: Huge, Dennis. First thing,
0: right? I think so many people are confused. Mm -hmm. But what is your why?
1: Yes, that is like hitting stuff over here. Sorry. That is huge and that's what's going to keep people going so one of the things i do with the coaching that i do whether it's one-on-one or the group coaching uh well my screen is going crazy uh is i have i take people through a drill for them to work on their why and trying to figure that out Um, because people will be like oh i want you know five thousand followers whatever number they come up i'm like pick your goal whatever it is i don't care and then ask yourself five times why And so with each answer, you need to ask why again, and why again, and why again, because that final answer is what's going to keep you going. It's totally fine to have uh, very objective goals, monetary goals, whatever. It's totally fine. Um, It's good. But if it doesn't go back to your why, to a solid why that really resonates with you, you will stop because we know that things take time. Giving that ROI, that tangible ROI takes time. And so if that is your only why, you will stop because you're like, I didn't make a million dollars. And you're like, oh, shit, it's been five minutes. But if that's your <laughs> why, <laughs> you're going to stop. Whereas if your why is like, so for me, my why is because I believe that everybody deserves happiness. And my goal with everything is to be able to help people work towards that in whatever capacity that is and whatever way I can you know, be part of their journey. Yeah. Do I want to make money? Absolutely. Don't let anyone tell you otherwise. Like, yes, I, I want to make money. I like nice things. But ultimately, at the end of the day, why do I want to make money? Why do I want these things? Because they allow me the ability, the freedom, the time to be able to help people in creating their happiness.
0: Yeah, Charlie Weingroff said that to me the one time. He's like, Dennis, I like to be able to do things that other people can't do. And I'm like, yeah. I get it. I yeah. get it. He's like, I'm, you're helping people, but the reward for helping uh-huh. people is the fact that yeah. financially you're yeah, able yes. to do things and experience things that other people haven't 100%. been able to do so it, there's yeah. a give and a take it's not all just take I mean there's Absolutely. it's working on both ends but it, and, but don't be ashamed because you're giving, providing content and something valuable to that's be right. rewarded for that either and so you that's can't it. be ashamed of that
1: either so there's that aspect also. We definitely see that people are just like eh. like I get it I think that you know our professions inherently attracts people that they just want to help and I'm like that's awesome but think about how many more people you can help and how many more ways if you have this sort of compensation whether it's monetary or whatever you know think about that aspect of things
0: so if someone's trying to get their digital platform up and running should they obviously seek somebody who's a professional at that would it be in their best interest to hire some type of
1: so I have mixed feelings on this I think Number one, we should always remember, you will either pay in time or money. Mm -hmm. So for starters, figure out what you got more of, uh, because some people are in different phases of things. But then the second part of that is that there's so much value in being able to run, know how your own shit runs. I think you need to do that. Like, I love that you run this podcast and you set it up. The first one, so I don't edit my podcasts anymore. Not not my long episodes anyway. I've outsourced that. But I did 150 episodes where I did it myself. Mm -hmm. And this way, I know if something goes wrong, I can fix it. If someone wants to charge me to do something, I know what it's worth. Because I'm like, yeah, I did that. And actually, that's quite hard and time-consuming. And I'm willing to pay you whatever you're, you know, that rate. But you'll see the flip side where like editing a podcast. People will gouge because the podcast creators oftentimes don't know how simple it is to edit. It's just time consuming. Yes. But if you're not taking words out and things like that, like it's actually quite easy to edit a podcast, but they don't know that. So they're like, you know, they get a pitch that's like, okay, I'll do it for $3,000 a month. And they're like, well, I guess I just got to pay it then. So <laughs> I you're wrong you're like, Hmm. So I think number one, figure out what you have, more time, more money. Second thing is figure out the cheapest, I don't want to say the cheapest, the most efficient way to do things. I, I see a lot of people like really just kind of like nickel and diming things. And it's just like, again, you're paying time, money, you pay like nothing for this thing. And then you end up having to spend a gazillion hours on trying to fix it. And then you end up going back. Everything that's needed to start your online business you can do yourself, I promise. Everything that's needed. Uh, I think like the four big pillars of online business would be social media, some sort of website, Doesn't need to be fancy, get a Squarespace, you can make that in the weekend, some sort of email marketing service. And then the fourth component is some form of long form content. So whether that's a podcast or a blog um, or a vlog, just you need to start building that so people have a way of learning more about you and kind of consuming your brain, if you will, free. Very simple. All, all four of those things are not expensive. If you actually do the math on it, you're like, wow, it's actually very low overhead. Um, but all those things can be done on their, on your own. Uh, and I think that there's a lot of value in puzzling through it and really trying to figure it out. And then going to somebody with questions. I think that people pay for solutions to problems they don't have. They're just like, I'm going to hire a coach. I'm going like, to do this thing. I'm like, do you ever have a problem with that? Or you just didn't want to do it? Like, Try it out first, figure out where the gaps are. And you're like, man, I can't, I don't know how to do this thing. I don't know how to do that thing. And then look for a coach or a solution that actually solves that. This way everyone, you know, is being more efficient with things. And then you can go from there.
2: That's great advice. So on, on social media, you know, when you're, we're showing drills or movements. Um, so we get this a lot. Well, Hey, mm-hmm. does this exercise mm-hmm. help my, mm-hmm. my shoulder injury? Does this help my back? You know, how how do you address those types of questions or comments? <laughs> yep, those are the worst. Uh, so I had that,
1: uh, <laughs> that off at the past and I put it in the caption and I will say, hey, so let's say I did a video not too long ago, I don't know, um, about like these lunges that I was doing, the knees over toes lunges. And I was just like, here's the drill. Here's why I'm doing it. Here's what it can help with. And then I make sure to say, is this going to help you? I have no idea. You need to get in and get assessed and like see what's actually right for you. Um, so I head that off in the past. I put it in the caption so that I don't get those questions. And then if someone does ask that question, I could be like, last sentence of the caption, homie. Uh, and then if it comes in a DM, I flip it on them. And if someone was like, you know, I have this thing I was wondering, and I'd be like, you know what? I don't give out advice over the internet because the best thing I could do is a guess and you deserve more than a guess. You deserve better than a guess. So if you'd like to set up an appointment, we'd be happy to do that. If you want, you know, help finding someone that's local to you, I can do that, but I'm not here to guess. And everyone that I've ever said that to you was just like, oh, thank you. So this way it's not, you know, those people that are looking for free advice, because I think some of the the other side is that, you know, the person would be like, oh, but if, like, if I don't, you know, entertain this question, then like they're never going to become a pay- a client. They were never going to become a client anyway. So save yourself the trouble there. Understand when people when people start off looking for free stuff, what makes you think that they're suddenly like, Go and pay your your rate. They're likely not going to. It's the people that are really genuinely interested in respecting your time. So head it off with the pass, shut it down quickly, let them know that they just are better than a gas, and that's it.
2: I like that. You set them up, they look at it, and they go, okay,
1: I get it. That's it. Yep. That's it. And then the DMs, like, it's a great way to be like, all right, you want to do more, you want to set up more, like here's the link. Would love to do a session with you, especially now. Now is perfect because everyone's virtual. So it's like you can say, I've done, I've done virtual consults for five years now. So in the beginning, maybe a little mm. bit weird because people are like, what, what is that going to look like? Now it's a lot more common because it's like, well, you probably weren't going to come see me in person anyway. So we could do it this way.
2: Yeah. What does that look like if, you know, if someone's post op, right? And then yeah. how do they do so, a virtual type session? Because that's a whole, that's different than personal training
1: realistically, if you are a good clinician, you can help people out without touching them. This is not to say that touch is not valuable. Touch is remarkable. Absolutely Mm -hmm. remarkable. It opens up an illogical window. There are mechanical benefits to be had. Touch is remarkable. But you can still help people without it. And if you are a good clinician, you'd be able to do that. So to me, actually, post-op are the easiest There's a trauma there. Like They're going to get better. If you did nothing, you get better. You get a cut on your hand, it goes away. Maybe maybe you don't have diabetes or something like that. Like It goes away. So post-op is actually phenomenal because we know that they're going to get better, at least to some degree. So what it becomes a matter of is being a really good teacher. And I've always felt that the digital space forces you or allows you creates the opportunity to become a better communicator because now you have to be able to like i have to walk you through how to massage your knee i have to walk you through how to bend your knee i have to walk you through these things which i can can absolutely do And it also, I think, helps with providing that person that autonomy. One of the things you see and like, you know, we go on that pain science rabbit hole is how reliant or dependent a person can become on a therapist or, you know, an an external outside force. If you're doing it to yourself, that's amazing. Great. Become dependent on yourself. That's what I want, ultimately. So post-op is actually easier, in my opinion. Um, You're asking the same questions. No, I can't feel this thing. But if I I can ask plenty of questions, I can really sit with that person, have them explain. And it's way easier than that person who has chronic pain, who we know that there likely isn't any tissue issue. That becomes a lot harder.
0: What would you say to people that are more concerned or over-concerned about having their intellectual property like I don't want to put more. You get those people like, I don't want to put too much content out there because people want to steal my stuff. (laughs) And you're like,
1: huh? (laughs) So (laughs) there's a few things I say to it. One, we're all just borrowing. At the end of the day, we're all just borrowing. I think people that are like, I made this up, they just haven't really read enough. But as it relates to putting your content out there, I to say it all the time teach everything you know people will pay you to say it again teach everything you know people will pay you to say it again as it relates to like online courses and things like that yeah just lawyer up and you can you know you have disclaimers and things like that or whatever um you know things they have to sign mm-hmm. uh but in terms of things that are on the internet and such movement is not proprietary i say i'm not going to say the person's instagram handle because i feel like it's like saying like Candyman, like, I don't want to say it because it's <laughs> going to end up in my feed. But there's, there are accounts out there that feel that their style of movement is proprietary, that they made this thing up. And it's one thing to have something like, in your case, where you have like an actual physical implement that you have like created. So I just moving. You didn't invent a lunge, sir. Like, that's been around for a long time. You didn't invent the transverse plane, ma'am. That has been around for a long time. Uh, so I, those people that say that are often coming from such a place of scarcity. And so if I was to, you know, be working with them, real talk, I'd tell them to go to therapy. And I'm not in a pejorative way, I don't say it in a mean way, but it's like, you are in such a place of scarcity. It's going to be very difficult for you to grow, right? Jill, my, my really good friends, Jill, was talking, the analogy she used is basically like a closed fist. It doesn't let money out. But I don't let him any money in. Oh,
0: that is very true, because for us, it's it's exposures, exposure.
1: That's it, man. And they're gonna want to go right? to the source. I think about Gray Cook all the time. That man has done so much for for the PT space, for movement space. <laughs> all of his stuff is out there somewhere. Like well, he's really known, you know, joint by joint, him and Mike Boyle. He's really known for the toe touch progression, whatever it's called, the SFMA. His if you buy the book, what is it, movement? The whole SFMA is in it. The whole thing is yep. in there. It's in there for whatever, 80 bucks, 90 bucks, whatever, the, whatever it is. And yet how many people, myself included, IM people, sign up for that $1,000 course? People will still pay you. They will pay you to say it again. They will pay you to say it in a more refined way. They will pay you to say it directly to them. Mm-hmm. Put it all out there. Get that exposure. People want to go to the source. And so I was in Mexico. Actually, now this reminds me, I wanted to do an episode about this. I was in Mexico for, this was a long time ago, obviously. I was in Mexico with Rock Tape for our instructor summit. And they had a cover band playing. And the guy sounded just like Eddie Vedder. And I was like, holy, and he, holy smokes. But then when he spoke, he had the heaviest Mexican accent. Ever. I don't really think he spoke <laughs> English that well, to be honest. I was like, Are you, yeah. So he was just kind of copying... And honestly, when you listen to him sing, I'm like, he's just singing the sounds. Like, I don't think mm-hmm. he knows what he's singing. And so I'm sitting there and just being like, you know, the copy is never as good as the original. Yes, they can copy you once. I'm like, but this man is performing in Mexico, which maybe is his dream and it's on, and he, he loves it. But he's not, you know, going to be in a hall of fame because he can't reproduce that level of greatness. He doesn't have, that's not what he does. He does is he just replicates this. It's the person who comes out with it originally that has the ideas that can then do more and then builds on it and then carries that forward. You will be fine. The people that are trying to copy you, they're going to get stuck. And they're always going to be at least one step behind you. So it's fine. It's maybe annoying, but it's fine.
0: Yeah. So it is being able to overcome. It's like you talked about therapy. It's more coming over, overcoming your own insecurities. It is. It's you. I mean, it's. Is it and, and sure? i and i uh, we always talk a joke about there's seven billion people in this world there that is right? can't even fathom how many people right there. so like if you can capture your audience is always going to be there and, and those people that really love and follow you anyways they're going to be your disciples so, that are saying hey man we, i it. saw you doing this but man this is the person that really you need to go see
1: that is it. Your people will spread your message farther and faster than you ever will be able to.
0: Yeah. I had somebody ask me that at, at uh, in Dubai this past summit. They asked that question. I said, I think our, our role as coaches is not to worry so much about our IP, but it's to teach people and then have them share That's it. it. That's, That's sh- the whole that goal. That should be your goal.
1: That is the whole entire goal. And it grows. like. I mean, I think that at the end of the day, people are good. I know that like media, the media may like have us believe otherwise, but I've encountered nothing but phenomenal, 99.9% phenomenal people in the world. And, you know, talking just about social media, on social media, as such, you putting, you're putting good out there, not just good stuff, but you're putting good out there, you're leading with that, you're looking to just help people out and grow and help them grow and, and spread that message, it gets carried forward. It's I really feel like it's when people go the other direction and they're so in scarcity, they're so, you know, proprietary, they're so, this not uh, not approaching it from that same mindset that that's when you start to see like, oh, kind of the, and people can smell it. People smell yeah. it a mile away, they know, they're like, eh, like yeah, the information's kind of good, but like, that person's an asshole. So I'm going to go over there. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm going to ask this question. You don't have to answer it if you don't want. Is social media someplace that you think a company or a brand should, en- should engage social issues? Yes.
1: Uh, yes. yes, I do. I, I think that having a brand Encompasses so much. So one of the drills I do with people is when we first like hop on calls and stuff, and I tell them, I ask them, I'm like, "Tell me what a hotel that is designed by Apple would look like," or I ask them, "Tell me what a hotel that's designed by Nike would look like." Those companies don't have hotels, but you know right away you have an idea. You're like, "It would have that." I think it would look like that. I think the colors would be like that. I think the vibe would be like this that's a brand. It encompasses so much more. And so, especially with a personal brand, that that social uh, issue side of things, that's part of the brand. That's part of what you stand for. That's part of your values. And so, I absolutely think that companies, brands need to or should make their stance known when there are times that it could be gray. I don't think people need to lead with certain things, but if it's ever in question, if there is a time where not saying anything is dangerous, things need to be said Uh, just so people can know like, this is my values. This is uh, the way that I likened it. And I spoke about this on social media was it's like wearing a Jersey. It's just like you being like, ah, we're on the same team. Cool. You don't have to wear a Jersey every single day. Like that's okay. Mm -hmm. I know you have it. And they're on my team. And then then you go and speak about the other things because in reality, we are complex. We're not just this one issue or just this one issue. We're we're all about so many different things. But when times arise where uh, values are, are put into question or values are questioned, I think that it is important that you take a stand, let people know, Um, Because people are looking to, they look to you for other things or they look to these brands for other things. So it's like, yeah, this is my stance and move forward. The flip side or I don't know the flip side, but one of the things that I hear people say is like, oh, but nobody follows me anyway. Why would I say anything? And I'm like, because you don't know the reach that you're having. Simply simply you saying one thing and expressing your values may give someone else the courage who doesn't say anything to you to go and have a difficult conversation with somebody else because they know they're not alone. So I think it's really, especially if you have any kind of following, you're a leader. And so I think it's really important for leaders to state their values, for leaders to be willing to be held accountable for their actions. Uh, So I do think that it's in certain times, it is very important that people, that bands uh, take a stance on things. Let's let them
0: know. I think it's interesting what uh, you said. As far as you don't really understand how much exposure you may may have, uh, I think a moment comes like that when you do when somebody posts something that you said. That's yeah. that aha moment. Yeah, when and you're, you're like, Whoa. holy
1: shit! <laughs> I said that. First of all, I said that. Oh, yeah, <laughs> that's pretty
2: good,
0: right? <laughs> <laughs> and then they post it, and you're like, holy shit! Wow. I guess I got people are listening. So that's that. that's that aha moment where you go, okay, I have a platform and, and it's and that brand needs to be able to let everybody in the community know this is our stance. This is what we believe in. And, and I think what's interesting is a lot of people are afraid of losing clients or, or followers or whatever you want customers or whatever Mm -hmm. you want to call them. But I think that you have to remember that, for every person you lose, you're gonna gain. Boom.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And I would, I would piggyback off of that. Uh, and there's a quote I keep, I keep wanting to attribute it to Brene Brown, but then I spoke with my old coach and she was like, I don't know if Brene said that. And I was like, well, then we're just going to pretend that she did. Uh, <laughs> uh, I don't know why I want to say it, but I'm like, I think she did. Uh, but basically something along the lines of uh, be more concerned. And I, I, I have switched it and I don't can say like, this is how I say it. Be less concerned with losing followers, fans, customers and more concerned that they ever felt comfortable following you in the first place. That is what is so important to me is like, have you been true to and and really stated your values from the jump? So with everything that's gone on in the past two months and such, I haven't lost any people because of things that I've said, because they've Mm -hmm. been following you from the jump. They know what they're going to get. Like it is easier for me because it's like, oh, I'm black. So I can't like hide that where mm. it's like, I can't, you know, I guess I could hide my, my racial views, but from the jump, they're going to be like, okay, this person is black. Okay. This person says they're openly gay. They know that they're going to get those things from me, but I'm also very uh, just firm in my values and the things that I, that I present. I think it's when the companies haven't always been, which I understand because if like, if you are like a fucking like cupcake person, Place like it could be difficult to be like having this diversity, you know, front and center. I mean, you could do it. You could do it with just like hiring different-looking people. To be quite frankly, but if you, if all you ever show is pictures of cupcakes, they have no way of knowing what your mm. vo- views are on. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So there's like some issues, some brands I think that could be more difficult for uh, for them. But then as soon as it gets put into question, you have to take. You have to be willing to take a stance, and then realize now you may lose some people you're going to gain so many and so many more loyal people that just they share the same values as you like those are your people they're Mm -hmm. going to be there for you Uh, so i get it i don't i don't want to discount someone's feelings and their concerns Um, but you've hit the nail on the head
0: now i know one of the most frustrating things me more personally i get irritated at social media platforms, changing their algorithms all the damn time. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I understand why (laughs) I know they're trying to get you to buy more stuff, but if I'm a new business person, if I'm, if I'm trying to grow my brand, how much should I really be pushing as far as that paid spot, that paid exposure?
1: So I personally tell people do not run ads. I have actually only run ads once and I did it for a challenge I ran. And I've had huge success without doing that. I personally tell people not to run ads because they need to understand how ads work. The whole goal with an ad is to get it in front of a potential buyer. That means you need to know who your buyers are. You need to know what their pain points are. You need to know what they care about, what their values are. If you haven't Figure that out yet? You are literally just throwing money away. People tend to think like I just got to get in front of more eyes. No. If you can't be remarkable for the 50 people you have right now, you don't deserve 50,000 people and you're not going to sell anything. Yeah. So, in terms of um you know, growing and and just starting, what I tell people to do is number one, post every day. Why? Because it gets you in the mindset of creating content and seeing the world in terms of like, these are problems I can solve. This is material. This will help my people. So it's more so number one, to build a habit. And then number two, to build a body of work. Think about you guys as you've gone through this, how creepy it is. You go to a page that has like two posts. Are you going to follow that page? Do you want to interact with that company? You're like, what is this? This is a creepy. So in posting every day, like you post every day for a month and suddenly you have 30 posts. That's, that's, you know, a few scrolls. And so people are like, oh, there's like some content here. Uh, so the two reasons of posting um, every day. And then the big focus should be on being remarkable for your current clients. You want success, be successful. And I know that sounds like, wait a minute, but if you want people to notice your success, Start off by being successful for the people that are that you're currently serving, and you keep doing it, you keep doing it, you keep doing it. You will get onto people's radars because you have this success stories around you. Uh, I also then, in terms of like, because in terms of like growing your actual numbers, the fastest way it's going to grow is that you're going to get reposted by somebody else. You can get shared by somebody else think about why someone or you've done it right think about why you share someone else's content would you share someone else's content if they only had one post would you share someone else's content if you didn't really know them no so if would you share someone else's content if they weren't good at what they're doing if they didn't if their stuff didn't resonate with you no so that means that me as the person trying to grow I need to have more content there I need to have success stories there I need to build a relationship with you. In this case, the influencer. Um, So there's there's a mutual benefit there. Um, In terms of getting in front of eyes, besides that, you know, you go into Facebook groups, and you just provide value, you learn how to pitch yourself so that you can get on to podcasts, you get that those reps, you serve people, you figure out what their pain points are, and then you can worry about starting to run ads because there's also a strategy in terms of, well, what kind of ads are you running? I personally don't think that ads to purchase do that well because most of the time that ad or many, many of the time that ad may be going to cold traffic. So for you guys don't, don't know, cold traffic is just people that, that haven't interacted with you before, they don't know you. That's very weird to ask someone for money if they don't know you. Like, mm-hmm. even if you're like, I have the best product ever, like, I don't know you. I have no trust. Like, I'm not going to pay you this. So in that case, you need more strategy in terms of like, okay, I'm going to run an ad to give them something. I'm going to run an ad to give them a free PDF to get them into my orbit so that into my ecosystem so that I can then, you know, cultivate that relationship. So I think there's so much more strategy that is needed and people are just like, I want to throw some money at it. And I'm like, okay, but you're probably (laughs) not going to get anything Back from that, uh, and then once those things are in place, then ads become way more valuable because you know the problems you're solving, you know who you're solving them for. You can look at retargeting so that you're not going to cold traffic. You're actually putting ads in front of your people who've already seen you, and you're reminding them, "Hey, I have this thing." Uh, so it becomes a much more efficient and effective strategy. Because as ads get expensive, like most people, you know, you hire an ads manager. They're a couple grand a month just to retain them. And then you got ad spend on top of that. Maybe you should just like make some more posts and make some more vlogs and like give them the DMs for free.
2: Yeah, you need a big budget for, for it ads. It is for a sure.
1: lot. It is a lot. and You can be a ton of value with it, but it's something that is so expensive that I would say have the strategy first. How much time also goes. And people, people I think, are maybe aware of the financial side, but then it's like, what's the time that went into this to figure out... Like, are you split testing things? Like, what what are you actually, what are you actually delivering? Did you create that thing? Is there a funnel that you created afterwards? Are you actually tracking and seeing like, you have to give it the time to do that, but what's happening with this? Uh, So I think there's the time factor too. So they can definitely be beneficial, but I don't think it's a, it's not a newbie, newbie step.
0: Do you think uh, the podcasting community is something that's just, even though it's been around for a while, is it? still got what is this i mean is the ceiling still really high on it i mean
1: i think there's like no ceiling on it because it's such the wild west like i think one of the coolest things about podcasts is that i don't know how many downloads you get dennis i got no clue i mean that's a great thing because nobody can compare unless you're like unless you're fucking joe rogan and it's like all right well he gets a gazillion he's joe rogan yeah but other any other way like there's no comparisonitis so like there's nothing that kind of stops you from doing it i think people some people stop. Before they get started, because they're like, oh, but you have like, these people have like a 100,000 followers, I'll never get there. That's what I need. People have no idea what's happening in the, po- in the podcast space. So I think the sky is the limit with it. I think that people really like consuming content this way. It's a great way to really spend time with your audience. Like when else do you get to have these long conversations like have someone's attention for this long so anyone that asks me I'm like start a podcast start, do it start a- and please keep going with it don't just start it uh, but start a podcast and do it it gives you reason to talk to other cool people um, it gets you in front of other audiences so I think that there is I don't see any cap in sight to be completely honest
0: so, yeah, because I mean, I think some people maybe think that the mark, the yeah. market is, c- yeah. is saturated. Yeah, right. It's like, no, there's uh, still, I think, a this is like,
1: I it'll keep, I going. think there's
2: regulations or something, you know?
1: Yeah.
0: There's <laughs> like, still a ton of growth potential. There's
1: so much, uh, you know. I think, I love that you brought up an ROI. I think sometimes people don't want to start one uh, because they're like worried about maybe they're considering, they're wondering what the ROI is. And like, I don't make any money from my podcast. I haven't monetized it in terms of like, I have like a sponsor or anything like that. And for me, I didn't do that because I didn't want to have to say certain things or have to put Mm -hmm. in um, commercials. So the way that I use my podcast is that I'll announce my own stuff on there Um, because people consume things differently. Like you, I'd love to think everyone follows me on Instagram, but they don't and everyone doesn't see every post. So it's nice to bring to, you know, you can use that that way. Um, The trust that's built, you cannot quantify, but if someone's going to listen to you for an hour and a half, they trust you in some capacity, way more than they would with like a 15 second Instagram clip. These are people that are really investing and giving of themselves and giving of their time to you. Um, So I think that, Part of it, the hesitation to start one, you know, aside from thinking it's, oh, the market's saturated, is that they're just like, well, what am I going to get out of this? And I think there's a lot of things that aren't so easily quantified that you get out of starting a podcast.
2: It's been fantastic. I mean, I, right? it's super fun. It's, it's, it's fun. So fun. I mean, yeah, you're connecting with people, but you're like, we learn a ton.
1: Yeah, that's the best part. Like, I started one because I was like, I want to talk to cool people and learn some shit. <laughs> and like, everybody says yes to going on a podcast. You have to have someone be like, no. Like it's actually the most beneficial for the person that you invite on. Like other times, people will be like, "Oh, I just want to like have a conversation with you," and you're like, "I'm busy, so no, I don't have time for that." But if someone was like, "Would you come on my podcast?" I'll have a conversation with you because it's more mutually beneficial. It gets me in front of your people, you know, and it's 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 more helpful than me being like, "Oh, like oh, let's go out to coffee," and I'm like, "I don't I don't even really like coffee," and like. <laughs> Good,
2: so. so you drink coffee on your side. I'll drink exactly. on my side. <laughs> I know
0: you love your little your kitchen utensils and gadgets. This for people that don't know Shante, your the corn to going it on is, the cobber. on yeah. <laughs> awesome. It is fantastic. Is there a new thing that you've fallen in love with?
1: That is still. The top, I'm going to think. That is still like in terms of the small gadgets, that is still the top. Actually, I got this other thing. I don't use it nearly as frequently. I don't like chopping stuff. Um, so I got this other thing. It's called like the alligator. And you just put the things on top of it. And it's like it as a handle and it just chops it. <laughs> oh, shit. It's amazing. Yeah. Because I don't like, like potatoes and stuff. I hate chopping them. And I'm like, uh, I want to eat them, but I don't want to chop them. Uh, so got that. That is cool. But definitely the corn decabber is still at the top and people love it which is so so, convenient so
2: what is this this corn on the cob here we
1: go it is it literally just so i had braces as a kid and you couldn't eat corn off the cob when you have braces you're not supposed to anyway so i would cut it off and like i just never stopped doing that like i got my braces off years ago but i never stopped doing that i was like i prefer the way it tastes cutting it off so you just usually use a knife this thing is just it's it's like I got a handle and it's got like a blade on it, and you just run it down the side of the corn, and it takes the corn uh, kernels right off of the cob. Like while you're holding it, it yeah. there's less mess. That's another thing too, because when you cut it with a knife, it goes everywhere.
0: Oh yeah, it's, it's like <laughs> goes everywhere. Those shits go in the kernels
1: shoot everywhere. Them. They shoot. Oh yeah Dennis is right this they're goes- like little
0: they're like little zits <laughs> they're, like, they're just popping everywhere you are like, like
1: what the they're hell you're like people are taking
0: cover they're like oh my god what are you shooting at me they're like oh my goodness no it's, it's true it's so messy it's true this thing it is just goes so- right
1: down proop, yeah proop. and then you get yeah. and it's great these are the things that I share on Instagram and people are like what should I post and like I share this in my stories uh, and that's That's being real. And those are the posts that get the most, those are the stories, I should say. They get the most interaction. That, the garbage truck that I, uh, first of all, I don't even like the garbage truck. I like the recycling truck, but they look the same. Uh, But the recycling truck, people love seeing stuff like that. It's just sharing your joy, sharing your day.
0: Well, because I know we had a little chit-chat about grills. Yes. Just not too long ago. And yes. uh, now I am looking into a Traeger girl. Oh, oh,
1: good choice. Oh. So I don't, have, I don't have the space to do it. That's why oh, I went with the one yeah. that I have. Okay. Um, yeah. that was a big thing. Look I at gonna,
0: you. I oh, upgrading no. might, have to, might have to go Traeger here. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I just phenomenal. Yeah. Slash yeah.
2: Huh? Oh, that was pretty big. Oh, they can be. Yeah.
1: They, they can be, be. It's just like, I live in California. Oh. I live in LA, but like my like outdoor space is not, is not that big. And I was like, also, with smoking things, let me just get this simple grill, yeah. <laughs> this Coleman. I don't have, like, a space for it. But if I had the space that I felt comfortable with, because they're not, they're not huge by any means. No. It's not like one of those big, like, silver, like, you know, crazy grills. But if I had the space and felt comfortable, I would totally go with
0: the Traeger. yeah i was like oh my app yeah uh, yes yeah, grills, yeah. And
2: grills are essential
0: yes yeah cause, well this is a smoker so okay. I, yeah so it's a smoker primarily and then it can it can double as a grill uh, yeah. but you're primarily using it for smoking so i was just like Ooh. right
1: like uh, that would be my second purchase if i if i ever move from the place i'm at now and i have more outdoor space being able to smoke things is like that's so dope. It,
0: it's it's the outdoor crock pot.
1: It like it is, and but it, it's but it's crispy.
0: Yeah. It's crispy. Like and way way tastier. Way like tastier. so
1: so good. So yeah.
2: Yeah. you throw that meat on, you leave. Is it? And you, you leave. Come home. Yeah. <laughs> you're like, look at this. Done.
1: Amazing. Done. I think oh,
2: what's cool about your online business too is you could if you want to pick up and leave, you're good. That was huge, and, and it doesn't matter.
1: You Neil, know, that was really really huge for me was having the, and this actually came up when I was doing my my five why questions and like. Why do I want this? And like the the freedom, the time freedom is huge. Having the control over my income, having the control over where I can be because I am grossly affected by weather. I lived in New York City for nine years. And by the end, I was miserable and a really unhappy, unhappy person. So the ability to live in a place that like really makes me happy it was, it was huge. So it's nice. And I want the other people if they want that. I want them to have that ability to be able to be like, you know what, this is a better place for me to be or the thought of being able to be, you know, like bi-coastal. I know some people don't want to really move because they have family. And I'm like, what if you created a life where you could fly home when you needed, but you could live in the place that made you really happy and then have the financial freedom and the time freedom, to be able to go home when you want it. That's, that's super important to me.
0: Yeah, and that's really, it's like you said, financial freedom is, I think people kind of have a misconception of what financial freedom is. They want to put a number on it. That's it. Like, is it? Oh, I, this is, if I got this much I'm financially free and I'm like, nah. <laughs> Financial freedom to me is the ability to say yes or no. That's it. Taking a task, right? Yep. Taking a job. I don't need the money, so I don't want to take it. a job.
1: That's financial freedom. Yeah, it's absolutely based, based on the lifestyle that you want. 100%. Yeah. That's 100%. why you 100%. can't put a number on it because it's like very personal and very. And we can definitely shift depending on where you're at with life and things. Like I totally, totally agree.
2: Totally. I,
0: I always got a kick out of like Alex as an example or Mount, rock climbers. There's mm-hmm. There's, they don't need a lot. Mm-mm. And it's kind of funny when Alex talked about, oh, he, he just hit seven figures. Right. And he's all like, I, I bought a new microwave from my yeah. van. And you're like, <laughs> and you're like so I was laughing. I'm like, but that's his financial freedom. Yeah. Like, he's like, okay, I made some upgrades
1: to my van and, and, and I that's bought it. a new microwave. But other than that, he's like, eh. That's it. That choice, man. That's it. That's the ultimate freedom is choice. You could say yes or no to things like, well, I don't have to do that. That's yeah. amazing.
0: Uh, so I think that's something I, I hope people kind of take a step back and, Put a little bit more thought into it, but that for uh, for me personally is financial freedom. Hundred percent is when you're not bound to having to do something because you need the money. Exactly. And and if my thing for people is, from a business standpoint and personal financial standpoint, I wish everybody could get to that position. Yeah. I wish everybody could get to that point in that in their life where they could be like, no, I don't need that. So Amazing. I can say no
1: to that. I think and Rona has hopefully, or is at least the people that I'm surrounding myself with again, it's helping people with that. And then I didn't, I didn't realize personally that consumerism was like a problem for a lot of people. And they were just like, you know, spending money, on a lot of dumb shit that I need. And I was like, I, I wasn't doing that. but I didn't realize that. Um, and so that's stopped now because people like can't go out and just maybe their Amazon bill has gone up. I can't say all that. Um, but I think people are really now realizing what do you actually need what do you actually need to get by what do you actually need to be happy do you want it to go back go back to the way it was if you're happy now do you need it to go back to that so i think there are so many good things coming out of this for those who are slowing down and actually thinking and examining things
0: we're finally getting past that whole keeping up with the joneses yes you know Dennis, this myth, yes. this mystical family that this mythical family that doesn't exist. Yep, we created them, and this is the we we have to yes. compete with this family it that doesn't, doesn't exist. exist. <laughs> but we've all but we all know the phrase "keeping up with the Joneses." Like it's every human being it knows it, the phrase. It's true, and, and it then at the end of the, they don't exist. So you're competing against some uh, a mythical thing i make this and yeah spot on so you got people that the yes you're you may not be working maybe but at the same time you can't go out and spend money like you used to either so that's it i think a lot of people minimal minimalism is maybe starting to they're seeing it yeah it was it was picking up before the corona it was and this has been the best thing yeah i think it's totally gaining more steam
1: it was It was interesting because it was picking up, but then it started being like, if you think about like minimalism was, but then people started kind of grouping like small, tiny houses into that. Mm-hmm. And yeah. then their houses got really expensive. And I was like, wait, I think that you've like missed the point with this whole <laughs> thing. So it's, I think it's been actually, as much as, you know, lockdown or you know, quarantine, whatever you want to call it, it's been a long time the length of it has been very good. Because if it was only like a week or two weeks or a month, it's not enough time for people to like actually change and like establish new patterns and like take the time to like go through those different phases of like I'm so angry, I'm so frustrated, like actually it not so bad. And like get through that. And I think that we're seeing a lot of that now. Like, yeah, people are, are wanna be able to go out and do things again. But I think overall people um and I know because I've I've polled my people. Mm -hmm. And so many of them are like, I don't miss the grind. I don't miss the speed at which we were doing this. I don't miss the fact that I basically never knew that the urgency that was always there. I don't miss this, like again, frivolous spending and such. And we're not doing it now and we're fine and we're happier. And my, my challenge to them is, okay, what are you going to do and what are you going to put in place to ensure that this stays moving forward? Like when things open up and everything is open and because urgency will come back what are you going to do and are you journaling right now are you writing down right now so you remember because we'll forget how good it felt you're writing this down and recording this and that's why podcasts are great um so that you know and you're taking the steps so that you can keep moving forward with that because you're showing yourself you don't need all that other stuff very true. Less is more. That's it, we, say, man. we
0: say that when we talk about movement, less is more to start with, especially when that's it. but it's good. But it also carries over to so many other aspects of life. The biggest, strongest person in the gym was a ninety pound weakling at some time. <laughs> Every person, no matter how big and strong they are, they were a ninety pound weakling one day. Yeah. That's, that's it. there's always the starting point. That's
1: so. it. Start with the basics. That was my knee journey. And now look, I'm like, actually, less is more, fewer exercises fewer of all this other stuff and I'm doing way better.
0: So you got a, uh, upcoming plans or as far as any like new. Um,
1: thing? so if you guys follow me on the, if you folks follow me on the digital space, you've seen that I took a real hard pivot and all my content over the past, I don't know, two weeks has been like only digital business. And that's really the direction I want to go in. Um, so the upcoming things, I have like a email marketing workshop I'm going to be doing this weekend. Um, I've got a two-day, I think I'm going to make a two-day workshop that I'm going to be giving at some point. I'm thinking August, I haven't really fleshed out everything, um, basically how to launch your digital side hustle, because I want to equip people with the understanding of these things. I'm working on doing more coaching. I, I do a lot of it behind the scenes, um, but I'm putting something together that will be more I don't say affordable because that's not even the word. It was never not affordable. I've always been very confident of price. Uh, it'll be more accessible to more people um, because some people like that, that group model. So I wanted to create something for that. Um, and that's basically where I'm at. I, I strategically this year did not want to travel as much. Um, I've been there for five years and I'm kind of over it. Um, I loved I loved it. But you also get—I got tired of it, so I didn't schedule as many of my own courses. So I've only had to cancel one of them um, because I didn't—I just didn't schedule as many. Things are very much on track. Looking to do more speaking in terms of the business side of things, and I have a bunch of workshops or like uh, panels that I've been asked to be on. So that's what's coming up. You know, just follow on instagram and you'll see all the things that i'm doing
0: yeah so we'll be sure to put all your social media tags awesome. on the post so that way people can easily follow you and see what you're up to and grab some nuggets of wisdom on digital platforming and other things so when is you your
1: uh thank you when when is your when's your business coaching coming
0: uh
1: i think i'll look into <laughs> uh,
0: well i think that one i want to start is a whole separate offshoot yeah, uh, I think uh, probably to start with would just be more just uh, starting a whole different Instagram account, a uh, whole different yeah. brand as far as just mm-hmm. and starting just with small content, just small yeah. little piece of uh, pieces of advice for business yeah. owners in the training community. Uh, I think I'll start there and then and just see where it goes from there. Awesome. So, it's needed, man. You know, I'm just excited. Just a little bit here and there, you know, do some do's and don'ts, or just more suggestions more than yeah. anything. Here's something that I I, I think works, uh, yeah. not all the time, not for everybody. Uh, I think that's one, of the, and that's one of the most frustrating things. Uh, everybody thinks that you, you tell them something and it fits for everybody, and, and it, like, it doesn't.
1: It's, it's it not the movement. Right? <sighs> Come it, on.
0: It, it's just, here's the suggestion. It may or may not work, you know, and if it it doesn't, I, I, I'm sorry. I apologize. (laughs) It didn't work. There was not, there was no malicious intent behind it. it. Uh, so that's what I think I kind of have a vision for, uh, on that side, on that side project, as far as getting that going. And then, uh, get a little website up and then uh, start to see what the community, if, see if the community even grabs it. And hopefully they do. And and because my thing is, is I, I get really personally disappointed when I see people that launch out on their own mm-hmm. and, and don't make it. And yeah. beca- and it's because they yeah. didn't, they didn't, there were so many costs and mm-hmm. so many other things that they just, no one told them about, mm-hmm. you know, and yeah. so many business yeah. owners think it's just, yes pay the lease and I'm good to go. You're like, no, there's way more than just paying the lease. There's a shitload of other costs and other stuff that you have to go through. So, uh, but even if you don't do a brick and mortar, there's just other avenues. There's other tax stuff and stuff Mm -hmm. that most people don't want to take interest in, but this is the stuff that is going to either make or break your business long term. So you're either going to sell On or you're gonna sink like the Titanic. So I mean, it's it's one of those are your only two options when you go into business for yourself. And we've seen too many coaches that have left box gyms just to return to that Mm -hmm. box gym within a year to two years because they think, oh, this is going to be easy. And you're like, uh, no. (laughs) Like there were some times when I started out that I was like, holy shit, how am I getting by? (laughs) Like you know, you you living in California. Exactly it's not cheap, you know? And there were, there were times where, you know, it was two to $3,000 a month. Yeah. That was it. And I'm like, Uh am I going to, am I going to get through this? And so at the time you're kind of like, Jesus, why am I doing this? But then all of a sudden, boom, 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 boom. And then a year, a year later, you're just like, it was just a lesson. It was something I needed to go through. It teaches you value uh, to appreciate a lot of certain things that you just wouldn't before and and then you just start to gradually grow from there
1: that's it and this is the story that people need to hear like and you know obviously i'm not one for rushing so it's like whenever whenever dennis is ready to do it i support it (laughs) the the need will always be there but like is there for sure well thank
0: you very much is any last piece of advice you'd like to get to our listeners out there or be kind well said i i love that be a decent human being folks man (laughs)
1: that's it literally that's it
0: yeah so well thanks again shante thank you we will have you on this is
1: awesome more than just
0: right now right you're one of our favorite people so we'd love to have you on a little more frequently so thank you very much thank you everyone for listening to us uh appreciate everything you guys listening in so uh please subscribe uh feel free if you want to give us a rating we'd really appreciate that and until next time everybody out there be decent Peace.